Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 37, and I am your co-host, Nigel. I'm Tazzy, streamer and co-host. And today's guest is a returning guest and the host of the Ace Comicals podcast, Greg Driver. Greg, welcome back to the show. Hello, thank you for having me back. <laughs> cool. So, Greg, uh, I'm, I'm making a point to do this now to say, like, uh, so-and-so was last on episode so-and-so. So, Greg was last on episode 23, the substitute hero we deserve, where we talked about the Dark Knight because we couldn't talk about, um, what was this? We were going to talk Mutants. about something. New Mutants, there it was. Yeah, yeah and then that mm. got delayed. Uh, and then, yeah, but uh, we had a good substitute. Um, so as always, you can listen to and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and uh, pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. You can also send us your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com or on social media at myamada on Twitter, at myamadatees on Instagram or at Tazzy on both. Let's get started with what's happening in the Myamada universe. Right, so we've got a few things that we're working on and it's good to have projects uh, after everything just got messed up with the pandemic. So uh, we do have projects that we're working on. And speaking of the pandemic, uh, we are uh, working on a Kickstarter campaign to launch uh, the end of the month, uh, month being August, um, is the aim. Uh, still a few bits to put together before we launch that. But the idea is to take the characters from Sirius um, and put them in a new story called Sirius Through the Fog which is, I keep saying inspired, I need to find a better word, but sort of um, inspired by the pandemic, um, but creating a story that helps uh, people and young people sort of look and focus on like positive outcomes and lessons, even in the situation uh, that we're all in. So by the time you listen to this, uh, there should be a preview of the page that you can check out before we launch. Uh, and I'll put those uh, that link in the show notes. Uh, we are also working towards our next Gamepad online event. So our first one was in June and it went really well. So we're putting together another one at the end of September. So on Saturday, September the 26th, you can find Gamepad Online hosted by Tazzy, where we'll be bringing back the Friendly Fire Tournament a bunch of communities playing over different games. Uh, we will be bringing back the Animal Crossing Fishing Challenge for prizes. Uh, new for this event, we are collaborating with Hyper Japan, uh, where they will be bringing their Cos Parade online at Gamepad uh, Online. Um, so what that means is you can cosplay, take photos, and submit those photos to be judged by the community, um, but not as ominous as that might have sound, uh, sounded. So, uh, yeah, so a friendly uh, cosplay competition. So if you've been looking for a reason to cosplay and not seeing conventions coming back in Horizon anytime soon, uh, this is for you. So the tickets are free. And if you do uh, get a ticket on Eventbrite, uh, you'll just be like updated with uh, news and latest goings on, including uh, updates on interviews that I'll be doing with people in the industry. Uh, and then we'll also give away a piece of MyMad artwork. Uh, we'll like raffle it off virtually to 
ticket holders. So you can check out gamepad.events for information on that. And in the meantime, you can also join our Discord community, which is uh, available now. And again, uh, link in the show notes. And as long as well as the uh, Gamepad Online event, we're working on bringing a, you know, putting together like an online community of uh, different activities and where people can meet each other. Uh, so we're still working on that, but a community, the Discord is open. Uh, you can join us there. Uh, we just had our... Um, first yeah first panel event um that we did uh earlier this week uh so we'll be hoping to do more things like that so yeah join the discord uh, and follow our journey as we continue to uh grow the gamepad community uh so that's all the stuff from us um specifically on a my matter uh front let's find out what stories everyone has been enjoying this week Yep, so it's time to jump on to our spoiler-free discussion about what stories we've all been reading, watching, or playing. So we'll start with our guest, so Greg. I've been ripping and tearing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm going to continue to rip and tear until it's done. Um, I've been playing Doom Eternal. So I got bought Doom Eternal for my birthday, uh, which was a couple of weeks ago and ever since then I've been oh thank you yeah <laughs> ever since then I've been completely engrossed in it and just enjoying the like the sheer metal spectacle of it basically just running around blowing things up just the ridiculousness of it because like yes it's hyper violent but it's hyper violent in such a way that it's just completely ridiculous like the whole um some of the uh like the the gory kills you can do when you you do like um like finish off enemies and things uh, i can't remember what the what the actual action is called in the, in the game system or whatever but you you basically dash up to them and do something stupid like punch their head into their rib cage or something um and gore goes everywhere and it's it's absolutely ridiculous but there's like a pumping soundtrack in the background and like your head banging it's great. Um, I love that stuff. Um, yeah, so there's Doom Eternal, and uh, I've been really enjoying I'm a fan of the Doom games anyway. I liked uh, Doom 3 on the Xbox, even though that was more of like a survival horror type thing than just a flat-out adrenaline-pumped shooter, which is what this is. Uh, there was like Doom 1 and 2 that I used to play years and years ago, and they were fun FPSs. Um, I don't think I ever played those without cheats. <laughs> uh, I think I just used to just load them up and just put like God mode on things and just mess about. But um, yeah, on top of that, I've been reading um, a lot more Immortal Hulk, which I did talk about on the latest Days Comicals podcast. But um, it is a really cool Hulk story. Like the... It gets to the root of what I believe a Hulk story should be, which is more of a monster story than a superhero story, which is kind of how the Hulk started out as well. Um, It has more in common with Swamp Thing comics than what you would normally associate the Hulk with. If you you read Hulk books, um, they're more usually you it's like more got more of like a kind of a, a superhero edge with him sort of collaborating with the avengers or 
um, being this super powered being in a, like a in that kind of environment rather than him being viewed as a cruel monster which is what the hulk essentially is so this has got more of the monster edge has more in common with books like swamp thing than what i would con- well, than other hulk books i've read at least and um yeah it's, it's definitely good to kind of scratch that monster story itch if that's what you want um it's a great comic i've got the first two omnibuses which um collects kind of the first 30 issues which is really cool and um i just like the idea that banner can die but the hulk can't so if you shoot bruce banner in the head the hulk comes back <laughs> so <laughs> like you can kill banner and he'll just turn green and get up kind of thing which i quite like that like the idea of this kind of like built-in gamma defense mechanism thing that he's got going on which is cool um and i like i i'm enjoying the progression of the story and i like what it's getting at so far this whole thing about the green door like um you see the green door and and the demon through the green door is the hulk kind of thing and all this stuff it's great um it speaks to me on that level (laughs) same way doom eternal does i guess that's just me but yeah really uh getting in touch with your monster side (laughs) with those two (laughs) exactly yeah i can't say i've paid much attention to the story on doom eternal because um i'm having too much fun just playing the game and just getting involved in like um some of the fight sequences and things like when you when you progress through the level you get like um points where it's like it just throws any wave after wave of enemies at you and but you can't progress until you have gotten through that particular battle mm. so you'll you'll do a part of the stage there'll be a puzzle and or, or maybe some platforming and then you'll get to this point where you have to fight a bunch of enemies and it's just too much fun like i mean there's bits in between where i could sit and read but and normally yeah. i would i'm normally a person that will stop and read collectibles when i pick them up which is why i wouldn't make a very good streamer because you get bored watching me because I just like, I stare at like the collectibles all the time. But like with Doom, I'm not, I'm not compelled to do that. I'm I'm not compelled to sit and read. I, I'm more focused on actually enjoying the game and playing, which is great. Yeah. Doom's very interesting in that point where it's like, it's so like, like you said, like adre- in adrenaline inducing. And then it's like, oh, and now we're going to do some platforming. And oh, there's a yeah. puzzle you've got to do here. And then it goes into rip and tear and you're like on a roller coaster. It reminds yeah. me a lot of uh, yeah. going to Orton Towers and going on Oblivion. Go on the <laughs> ride. And uh, I really, it's one of my favorite rides. And uh, yeah. we went when it was really empty and we're like, can we just stay on? And they're like, no, you have to get off and walk around uh, because you, you have to like let a chance for your heart rate to drop and your adrenaline yeah. to go down. And that's, that's kind of like what doom is. <laughs> so you have to do, yeah, you have to do the, uh, the puzzle and the platform yeah. before you can have the, the fun bit. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, it's not frustrating either. Like as many times as I die, as often as like, as difficult as some of these sections are, as often as I die on it, I'm compelled to try again. It doesn't make me, I don't get frustrated and want to put it down. Like I do with some games because I don't know why yeah. <laughs> it's like with, with something, if I was playing something like dark souls, for example, like, I tried to play Dark Souls and I got very frustrated with it and I had to just put it down because although it's a similar thing where it's like trial and error, you have to keep trying. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, I got more frustrated with that than I would with something like repeatedly dying on Doom. I think Doom's more fun. Yeah, I relate. Yeah. I'm playing through Doom 
<laughs> the one before before Eternal. Yeah, yeah, totally relate. Um, yeah. I watched the Umbrella Academy. I'm just trying to like catch you, everyone up with things I've watched. I've just watched so much. <laughs> it's like really hard to pick something. Um, but I did watch the Umbrella Academy uh, recently. I absolutely loved season one and season two did not let me down. My favorite character is number five. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I just, I just love him. Um, he's great. He is. Yeah, he's good. Just, he's good. This old man in a in a in a small boy's body. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite my favorite character is um, the seance, and I can't remember what number he is. He's, yeah, I can't remember either. He's the oh, what what is his name? He's got a, Klaus. That's it. Klaus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent oh, of course, character. yeah, no Klaus. Yeah, yeah, no, love Klaus. Yeah, Klaus yeah, is my yeah, favorite. Yeah. yeah, Klaus and number five together. How can I forget Klaus? <laughs> The most alert, they're completely opposite. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and just the way uh, the, the the characters learn, and just I, I don't want to say much. This is spoiler free, but but uh, it, it takes on a very like some sort of like social commentary. Uh, it takes on some some like quite deep topics really well with these characters that have powers that oh it's so complicated they're trying to like stop the world from being destroyed and they just they're they fumble along so much and they're yeah and under it all they're just trying to seek daddy's approval <laughs> and i just love that about it <laughs> yeah and jfk <laughs> yeah uh and then near the end without spoiling it there's just a point where something happens and then they seem right at the end and they seem so upset but, I, <laughs> and I'm like, but it's like would you not just go on and like be like all right let's just run and pretend this is okay like and we'll just forget everything and we'll just go and live our own little lives <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it would be spoilers to say that jfk died in the 1960s which is no, what no, happens in Umbrella Academy season two. That's not spoilers because everyone knows that. But um, yeah, but it's so interesting. There's like just yeah. so much of like time and uh, like time travel, and it just gets like really uh, muddled up. <laughs> and I just like their approach to time travel in general, um, and the idea that there's just like an organization watching the timelines, and then they have the their whole thing. Uh, and some of the new characters we get introduced with, and then like the plot twist right at the end. <laughs> this show is excellent at plot twists. Uh, there's one behind every corner. Do not think you know the show. <laughs> Do not think you can predict it. I love, I, I love its aesthetic and yeah. like the way, like, because I've seen all of season one and I'm part way into season two. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you can tell that this originally came from the mind of the man who is the front man for My Chemical Romance, can't you? Mm. Like, <laughs> this is like, Jared Way's work. It's like, yeah. I like the way, like, everyone adapts when they go back in time. Um, yeah. And you just see, like, I'm really... Just, there's just so much well done. The characters are well written. Um, the... the um, 
the costuming is very good. <laughs> very much appreciate the costuming. Uh, and then uh, just some of the the connections and the twists and turns. And like, I have so many questions. I'm looking forward to season three because like, I just, I've got questions. <laughs> I just want them answered, um, which is kind of what the characters have the whole time. There, there's always <laughs> a question for them. Um, so you don't feel left out. But yeah, Nigel. <laughs> yeah, I definitely need to catch up on season two. I yeah, really enjoyed uh, season one of that show. Um, so in terms of what I am watching i was trying to work out whether i should do basically i was trying to decide whether i talk about the dragon prince or the last of us part two uh, i'm going to focus on the dragon prince but i do want to say because i finished the last of us part two and really enjoyed it but um and just been seeing some of the reaction to the story i just thought it was an interesting so obviously i'm not gonna spoil the story but i think there's an interesting thing happening where sort of dismissing the the criticism from like the early leaks and people uh just angry at you know anything that touches on any kind of uh minority demographic or uh quote-unquote social justice issue uh, i seem like a <laughs> but yeah yeah pretty much as well as getting at um so i kind of dismissed that but i just look at it as the reaction to the the story and the way the characters uh, are treated and i feel that there's a lot of people who from playing the first game wanted to see more of the same and what i like what naughty dog have done they have not respected the the first game and the characters uh and the story so by that i mean They've not just gone, which is would essentially be a, the safe option and say, let's let's give more of the same. They've just gone, where can this story go? And then let it go where, where it needs to go. Uh, and that means there are moments in the game where, like I've never played a game where I'm, I'm genuinely like reluctant to do things in the game or like really questioning characters' actions and motivations. And this game just has has those moments, has so many emotional moments. And I think I, I see people confusing like characters doing, say like, let's say bad things in the context of the the game with a bad story. So it's like, if I don't like what the character has done in, in the story, then it's a bad story. But mm -hmm. I think what Naughty Dog are trying to do, they're, they're, they're trying to intentionally make you question things and make you um, sort of, question motivation of the characters maybe your own reactions to things and put you in really difficult situations uh through this game and i feel they've they've done that so well and it's like a yeah i think it's i feel like it's a relatively new thing again it's trying to like genuinely make you uncomfortable to that level where you like honestly there's moments where it's like I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to see this happen like this this thing happen but you have to because it's part of the story um I, and also, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to do like a spoiler uh, episode on it so I can literally talk about the things that uh, I want to talk talk about. <laughs> yeah, I'd say I'd say it's it's I say it's excellent, but just don't yeah don't expect like them to give you what you want <laughs> or what you think you want. Like um, 
Uh, and then, yeah, like I said about uh, Dragon Prince. So uh, I think this is from the, one of the writers of Avatar. So obviously immediately interested. And it's a really good... Uh, so I I'm started season one. It's an animated series um, about a... So it's got all this um, kind of like the, the fantasy epic... Uh, elements of it so you know we're talking like uh like dragons and uh obviously humans kings uh royalty magic elves uh all that stuff and it's about these uh three main characters who are uh sons and stepsons of the of the king uh and they go on this or they're going on this journey uh with an assassin elf um, so you kind of see how they get together and end up on this journey together. And it's a really, like so far, I'm like, I'm really enjoying it. And it, it has that, it has that epic feel. Um, mm. the music is really good and it really adds to that, uh, to that feel. The one thing that I, I didn't quite like was the animation and not so much the style, but uh, and I had to look this up because it was really bugging me. But the the animation itself, it feels quite choppy in places. And what I found out is I think they had they made a decision to uh, have a lower frame rate in some place. I'm not sure if that was like a budget thing or a stylistic thing. But it just meant that at some point, because it's a computer-generated animation, so it just feels choppy and it's quite... It's quite off-putting in some ways. Like the, the animation style itself is fine, but it just runs <laughs> at a lower frame rate, which is quite noticeable. Um, but when I looked into it, I think they're, they're fixing it, or they have fixed it, because it, there's three seasons that um, they've fixed it in season two. So yeah, once that uh, is sold, I think I'll be able to enjoy it a lot more. I watched season one of this. Um, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I I fell onto it for the same in the same way you did, I think in the fact that it's like, Oh, it's that Netflix thing. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, like the thing by the avatar people. Um, yes. Yeah. And <laughs> That's like, all I needed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, I really enjoyed season one. I didn't, I didn't have like, um, I didn't, I didn't notice the choppy animation actually. I probably wasn't watching really? it as closely as you were. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't notice that's, any of that. That's interesting at all. Yeah. Cause I, I couldn't, no. I couldn't not notice it. <laughs> that's interesting yeah I, I got really into it though like this whole war between the humans and the elves and the, the dragons being like sacred to the elves aren't they yeah yeah, yeah. and the last and dragon kind of mess and... everything up yeah yeah can't expect anything more from them can you I know. No. yeah <laughs> Know, humans um, lowering the bar constantly yes <laughs> that's pretty much it so, yeah. um, but yeah, so I, yeah, I can, based on what I've watched so far, I, I like it and yeah, I would, uh, recommend people check it out. So I'll probably like, as I watch more, uh, for the rest of this season, the first season and more seasons, I might come back to it and give, uh, a few more thoughts in a non-spoilery way. Yeah. So that is all that we've been, well, not <laughs> like some of what we've been enjoying story-wise. Uh, let's get into our main story discussion. And today we are going to be talking about uh, the Fox film Logan, starring Hugh Jackman in his last performance, 
uh, as Wolverine and directed by James Mangold. Uh, so as always, a spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about all the ins and outs of this story. So if you don't want it to be spoiled, pause and watch the film, then come back to us. Um, I'll do a recap of the story, but before I do that, uh, let's get some quick takes and overall impressions from everyone. Uh, let's start with Greg. What did you think about this film? Um, I loved it. It was great. Uh, it was like, I think from the minute I saw the first trailer for it, where they used the Johnny Cash version of Hurt um, over the trailer... And it just, Mm. it sets you up for that kind of like, um, this is like his last ride, as it were, because it has a real Western feel. So this is like Logan's last ride kind of thing. And um, knowing that the old man Logan comics was such a big influence on it as well. And having enjoyed the old man Logan comics so much, uh, I, yeah, I was just completely on board with this. And then I went to the cinema and saw it and I was even like, it was great. It was absolutely great. Um, like the ending, the, the way the whole film goes, like when it comes to a crescendo at the end, it's absolutely fantastic. And like just some of the things that happen in this film and, and the way it plays out and some of the performances in this film. Patrick Stewart is amazing in this. Um, yeah, I, I can't say a bad word about this film. It's probably my, this is my favorite of the Fox X-Men films if you can count it as a Fox X-Men film, because it's, it's Logan, isn't it? It's like a solo Wolverine film. Yeah, I yeah. know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I probably agree with you. Hey, what do you think, Tazzy? Oh, the most emotional, gripping, like, superhero film? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if... You can, I don't know, does it count as a superhero film? I don't know, but it's just, wow. And yeah, the performances. Um, I remember like walking out the cinema and when I first saw it and just being, just in like a daze of like, like I just didn't believe <laughs> what I just watched. <laughs> it was just so good from, from start to end, like constantly felt gripped. Um, I remember thinking we come out and I was like, wow, we was in the cinema for that long? <laughs> it really did not feel like it because it, the, st- the story just flowed so well that there's... Yeah. N- That's always a good sign. Yeah, that you, there was no point where you thought, how, mu- how much longer of this film is left? Like, not once did I think that. Uh, and, like, coming out, I just didn't think, like, anything about how much time had passed because of just how well the story had me, like, involved and, and, and absorbed by it. I noticed that when I was rewatching the Blu-rays um, this weekend, mm. and I just know I noticed that I put it on and I would sit and watch it, and I wasn't conscious of time like I am when I watch some other films. Mm. And I can clearly break the film down into three stages in my head. Mm, like yeah. it's just so brilliant for that. Like the fact that it's just it it keeps you on edge from beginning to end, and you don't. You don't notice how long it is. You don't ever have that feeling of is, you know, how like like you were saying, how much longer of this film is left. It it just it just barrels on through. And are we counting are we counting the greatest showman as a Logan film? 
because I think I think he's secretly Wolverine in that. <laughs> wow. I think that's like some kind of like side story off to the left somewhere. <laughs> I'd say maybe for fairness, because maybe the creators didn't think they were making a Wolverine show, we'll not count that. <laughs> was Greatest Showman after Logan or before it? I can't even remember now. I thought it was after. Yeah, yeah. after. Oh, it was after. Okay, yeah. So it was maybe, after. yeah, yeah. Maybe this is like a, a, a sort of a, a Logan side story. Maybe, maybe he was Wolverine in The Greatest Showman, and maybe he was just hiding his powers, like trying to live as not a mutant yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's why because he was like, if, if I get people that visually look different. Uh, then no one will notice. <laughs> 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 <But> I'm a- <laughs> Uh, so I, I would say it's interesting you both mentioned time. So I I also rewatched it over the weekend, and I was specifically conscious of time because so I have a a cousin in uh, California. So I was gonna uh, I was gonna call her um, sort of later on in like what turned out to be the night, but I wanted to watch this first before I did that. So I, I was literally conscious of times, so, and I I looked at the time of the film, the runtime is like two hours and twenty one minutes. I was like, ah, I I said I'd call her earlier than that. Okay, but let me just start it and then we'll get through it. But then as I was watching it, it's like there was no point. I, I I like I was like I wasn't like checking my watch it, to you know hurry this thing up. I was I was just in, and there was no point where you know you you kind of wanted things to wrap up. Everything felt like it. It was meant to be there in terms of timing, so you never there was never like a dip. Uh, I mean, obviously there were kind of lulls uh, and breaks in the action and, and everything like that, but in terms of uh, the story, it, you were just there along <laughs> along for the ride uh, all the way uh, until mm-hmm. the end. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I called my cousin a bit later than planned, but it's all good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I, uh, I did appreciate that and just appreciated like I talked about uh with Naughty Dog and, and not respecting or overly respecting uh maybe it's a better phrase and overly respecting uh the story and I feel that was the case here where they didn't they didn't just give you like fan service mm-hmm. uh to use that phrase they they told a story with these characters and it went where it needed to go uh in that sense so yeah definitely uh, appreciated this and I'd say it's it's up there for one of the the best quote unquote superhero yeah. comic book uh, films, I'd say. Yeah. Exactly. Can I just add one more thing? Because I'm not sure if we we have it in like our discussion points. Um, but the fact that it can, you do not have to be into comic book, comic book films. Yes. Uh, like superhero, anything. You can watch this film as a film, and it it will make sense and it has enough to it uh, that you won't feel like, I don't get this whole mutation thing, this whole like power mm. thing. Because there's just like an epic gripping story there. Yeah, definitely. So, okay, all right. Um, yeah, let me recap the story and then we'll kind of uh, get into uh, the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, so the story takes place in 2029, where no humans have been born in 25 years. An agent Logan is working as a limo driver in Texas, and his healing ability is slowing down. In an abandoned plant just south of the Mexican border, Logan and a mutant tracker, Caliban, care for 90-year-old Charles Xavier. Xavier has dementia that causes destructive seizures with the potential to injure and even kill people. 
Logan reluctantly agrees to escort Gabriela Lopez and a girl called Laura to a refuge across the Canadian border known as Eden. Both have escaped from the biotech corporation, Akalai Transigen. Logan later finds Gabriela dead and is confronted at his hideout by Donald Pierce, Transigen's cyborg chief of security. Pierce is looking for Laura, who has similar powers to Logan. After a fight, she, Logan and Xavier escape Pierce, but Caliban is tortured into tracking Laura. A video on Gabriella's phone shows that Transudin created Laura and other children for mutant DNA to become weapons. Laura was created from Logan's DNA. The children were to be killed, but Gabriella and other nurses helped some escape. Logan later discovers that Eden appears in an X-Men comic and tells her it's fictional. As Pierce arrives on their trail, Xavier has a seizure and incapacitates everyone except Logan and Laura, who kill their attackers and eject Xavier with his medication. As they again flee, the head of Transigen, Dr. Xander Rice, arrives to help Pierce. Logan, Laura and Xavier help farmer Will Munson and his family after a traffic incident. They accept an offer of dinner at the Munson home where Rice unleashes X-24, a clone of Logan in his prime, who kills Xavier and murders Will's family before capturing Laura. Logan is outmatched by X-24, but Will pins X-24 with his truck and shoots him with a shotgun before dying from his injuries. Logan and Laura escape with Xavier's body. After burying Xavier, Logan and Laura continue to Eden where they find other transigen children preparing to cross into Canada. Logan decides that his job is done and chooses not to accompany them to Laura's disappointment. When Pierce and his team ambush the children, Logan decides to save them and with Laura's help, slaughters most of Pierce's soldiers and also kills Rice. Enraged by Rice's death, X-24 fights Logan as the children combine their powers to kill Pierce and the remaining soldiers. X-24 impales Logan on a large tree branch, but Laura uses Logan's revolver and adamantium bullet to shoot X-24 in the head. Now near death, Logan tells Laura not to become the weapon that she was made to be. She tearfully acknowledges him as her father and he dies in her arms. Laura and the children bury Logan and Laura turns his grave marker on its side to create an X, honouring him as the last of the X-Men before they continue to the Canadian border. The end. Uh, so you kind of touched on it earlier, uh, Greg, about the comic influences. I I wanted to, but didn't get a chance to uh, read Old Man Logan. I think I wanted to read it at a time as well and, just, and, and didn't. But uh, can you tell us a bit about that story and kind of where it differs from the film old man logan is vastly different to this film the the main the this film wouldn't exist without old man logan because the idea of like logan in the future and um the future of the x of the marvel universe and the future of x-men etc is the whole this the whole the whole idea of this future is brought to bear by Old Man Logan, and that's where that all begins. Um, but the main similarities between this and Old Man Logan, in fact, the only similarities is the fact that Logan's old. They go on a road trip, and all the X Men are dead. Uh, it's like, oh, that's it. That's that's pretty much it. Yeah, there's nothing. All right, okay. 
that's that's where the similarities end. Yeah, there's nothing else between this and Old Man Logan, like main story point wise. Because in Old Man Logan, Logan goes on a road trip with old blind Hawkeye um, to uh, deliver some super soldier serum or, or something like that. I can't remember the specifics of it because it's been a while since I read it. Um, and along the way, they meet other members of the Marvel Universe, uh, the futures that these people have or, or descendants of other members of the Marvel Universe. And it's this like horrifying landscape where the Red Skull has taken over America and is now the president of the USA and everything's been divided up and certain areas are ruled by certain villains. Um, and it's all very deserty and everything. I mean, I guess another similarity is the fact that Logan has kind of like gone off to live in the West in a desert somewhere. But other than that, it's pretty, uh, pretty, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Right. Cause the, the story, the story in old man Logan is completely different to this. This is, this is, this story in the Logan movie is very X-Men centric. Um, and obviously features X 24, uh, X 23 even, which, uh, um, in, in the comic books is, um, she becomes Wolverine at one point. She sort of takes up the Wolverine mantle and, and she gets her own series as Wolverine comics. Um, but it's not, yeah, that's it. That's literally it. I think this has a lot in, this draws sort of like, um, influence from a lot of different places. So you've got the old man Logan book. Um, and then you've got, uh, I feel that this has a lot in it from sort of like 80s uncanny x-men books as well which is kind of hinted at by the inclusion of some comics in the film but those comics aren't real comics they were made purely for the film which i can go oh, into really? later uh, yeah yeah go i was interested to know that. about that yeah. yeah okay um but these like it has a lot in common with the 80s uncanny it has draws a lot from the 80s uncanny x-men books because um the the idea of donald pierce and the reavers um donald pierce is very different in uh the comics he's he in the in the movies he's he's rougher has a different look and his presence is different in the, in the comics he's more grand more refined um he's like i don't know he's a bit more aristocratic he's still an android and whatever and he still hates mutants but he's different He's less of a um, southern bounty hunter and more of like, he has this like aristocratic supervillain presence kind of thing. Um, and he looks completely different as well. Um, he cuts like a grander shape when he's like strutting about. He has this big cape and everything and this huge kind of like mantle thing around his neck. <laughs> um, if you've ever looked at a picture of... Um, Donald Pierce from the comics. But yeah, I mean, um, his Reavers are still pretty, they're pretty mean looking in the comics, but they, they look a bit more outlandish in the comics. Like one of them's half tank. So go figure. And, uh, but yeah, he's an established villain. And like this for me, a lot of this actually is, comes back to Uncanny X-Men 251, which is a book I have in my collection, which I, I feel that, the iconography of Uncanny X-Men 251 is kind of embodied by this movie. Like the way um, Uncanny X-Men 251 is basically the story of Logan crucified on a giant X by 
Donald Pierce and his Reavers and being tortured. And while he's been tortured, he has this fever dream. Um, but it's the idea of him going through it in a desert somewhere. And then he's crucified on this giant X, which is, he has this like absolutely iconic cover. And this is referenced with the ending of this film with the X shaped grave marking, I think as well. Mm. Um, but that's, that's, that's how I feel about it. Anyway, that's, that's the comic influences for me. So it draws from a lot of different things, a lot of different places. Um, I must say I prefer this movie version of Donald Pierce and he's actually my favourite character in this film. I was just looking at uh, images of, <laughs> of him. I see what you mean. It's yeah, very different. Yeah, yeah. Very different. Yeah. But then, you know, like, because so, bef- uh, I can't remember how long, it was sometime last year, I uh, I listened to an interview uh, with the director, uh, James Mangold, and uh, I'll, I'll put that, link in the show notes for anyone who's interested and I sort of I got the impression so like I said sort of not respecting the material too much and I got the impression one he I don't think he's a any sort of comic fan necessarily um from what I remember hopefully I'm not misremembering that but I think he just wanted to tell a story and because of that what he's done he's he's taken the the bits that he needed to tell the story but he hasn't given so much respect that, and again, I'm going to use the word fan service, that he's just not just giving you kind of what you expect yeah. from uh, Wolverine's story. He's he's used that and he's inspired by that to make a good story mm. full stop. And I really appreciate it. I think sometimes with like um, with, with adaptations that are based on uh, stories that have such almost like reverence uh, in in certain communities there's there's the fear of of not straying too far from what has already been done for fear of the backlash from fans saying why have you changed th- this character so much this this would never he would never do that or she would never do that things like that i think sometimes you can you can be respectful without being beholden <laughs> to what has already yeah, been done so many exactly. years ago and i feel that that's what's happened in this film which for for the better i i mean i I've been guilty of sitting there and being like, oh, that's not how X would behave or that's not how Y would behave when I've been watching a film, um, you know, have it be, being somebody that reads an awful lot of comics. But I, I've learned sort of like over the years and now I, I, I feel as though I, because I don't know, how, I don't understand now how people can be like that because everybody who, when they write about these characters, they don't write within a set of certain parameters. They, they take that character and they add to it. It's kind of like a yes and exercise. So when you think about a run of comics, um, say we've got a run of Spider-Man comics and they take everything that's come before and then they plonk a new chunk on top of that, of their own work mm. about Peter Parker or whatever. And it just... It, it, this is kind of like what people are doing with these films. They're taking a character and a concept and they're working within the parameters. This is character X with X powers. Character X is usually angry and moody. Um, character X has a certain personality type, but this is their story about character X and mm-hmm. they're going to tell it their way. And they shouldn't be beholden to what we believe and as fans or they should they should give us this new thing and if we don't like it we don't like it we've got the other stuff that we can always go back to it's kind of like um like legends you know everyone will tell the legend uh you pass on the story and then 
And then it'll be like the whatever's highlighted about that legend. Someone's going to tell when they retell it, it's there's going to be more weight on one thing over another. And yeah. also like perspective. You know, we don't all see things in the same way. Uh, I definitely do this all the time. People will be like, reference from something. And I'll be like, no, I don't know what you're on about. But then I'll remember something and they're like, that's not in it. And I'm like, no, it is. <laughs> Everyone, everyone picks up different things from a story. Everyone yeah. takes different things away from it. And then when Definitely. that person recounts that story, they're going to emphasize different things. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. the oldest example of that would be the Gospels for the Bible, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think as well, the way that it has been done is, is why it can reach non-comic fans. Yeah, um, you know, I've also just looked up uh, Donald Pierce's uh, character design, and it's like it would add a very different dynamic to the story. Yeah, that wouldn't fit in this film. Yeah, and it it wouldn't be like it wouldn't fit in the context and the era. And this is like a very the way the film's made is like. Mm, more realistic, like more like set in a, a realistic world. Are you looking at Big Cape Gold Neck Hexagon? Yeah. Donald yes. Pierce. Or are you looking at um, extra from a um, period movie, Donald Pierce? No, I went for the more uh, outlandish oh, uh, image. <laughs> yeah, because like he's a, he's originally a member of the Hellfire Club at one point in the comics. So, and the Hellfire Club decide they're going to dress like extras from a period movie. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, he has like the, you great. know if you see like the ponytail and like the buckles on his shoes and the ruffles in his shirt and everything, and it's like stepped out of oh, the eighteen yeah, hundreds yeah, or whatever. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Let me have but that. then it's it's like and again so you see that example of character wouldn't work in this film so yeah. again it's about taking what works for the story you're telling and yeah. as you said Greg you can almost like tell different versions but still be respectful so it's not about like as you were talking I was thinking like because you can go too far and you can mess up a character that's yeah. supposed to be a, a from a certain perspective and the immediate thing that came to mind is when um Tazzy and I were talking about uh, Gotham and Barbara's character who just completely changed from season to season based on what the story need like that I would say is a bad example of mm. of just completely destroying a character uh that it then doesn't it's not consistent at all so you know, obviously you want to make it consistent with what the character is about uh, initially but still have that leeway to yeah just tell what works for this story if you look at the designs of the other reavers from the comics as well mm. and you kind of think about the design they've used for and the way they've put together the movie design of donald pierce the way they've dressed him and everything else his costuming and things and you think about you know, like the small round glasses and everything that he wears. And it's like they've taken all the Reavers and rolled them into one. Yeah, so I, I like that. It's kind of, yeah. it's that creative license yeah. that's happening. But I, I prefer, like, this Donald Pierce is better. Like, the movie, <laughs> I like movie Donald Pierce. I, yeah. I, Wait, you said he was his, your favourite character. Yeah, I, I, I love him. He's, he's so menacing. And, like, even, even when he's, like, he's being polite... He still has this kind of like weight to the way he behaves. Yeah. Like he's going to do something like horrible that. to you. Yeah, it's great. Because he didn't really shout. He just he just said, you know, 
this is what's going to happen. And, yeah. <laughs> and the, the implication was if, if, you know, if it doesn't, then there's a problem. So. Yeah. And he's very, he's very polite and he, he, he's very, you know, he's a man of business and whatever, but he just, he doesn't jump to the violence. He doesn't intimidate through violence. He just intimidates through his presence. Like he just has this intimidating aura. Like, you know, he's trouble just from looking at him. Like um, you don't even have to. I was just going to say from like what you've said about him in the comics, it's kind of like they've taken that, uh, like an aristocrat would be very like, you know, like they talk their way, way out of anything or, you know, talk. And it's like they've taken that into the movie. Oh, I see. That air of assuredness. Yeah. Yes. So they've been like, yes. what, would, yeah. what would that look like in this movie? And then been like, like so everything's still leading back to, to the, the same starting points. Uh, yeah, and you know what's a good uh, scene for that? I think it's his introduction where, because Logan's, well, it's not quite his introduction, it's his literal first scene, but you, he's watching Logan get medicine for Charles. And as Logan is in a limo, like he just gets in. And I feel that's such like a, a confident thing. I'm just, I'm just going to get in and you're not, you're not going to do anything about it. And it's, it's like, like the way you introduce characters or the way characters act kind of without using like too many words um you just show their actions and that kind of says that this guy is confident enough just to get in your limo and then start talking to you about what he wants mm. um and so yeah, as we're talking about sort of uh yeah comic book movies that don't respect the comic books like this this felt like well there was you know literally like um it's it's ridicules comics uh quite literally in uh in the film and what I also liked about this is this isn't a like your typical save the world plot. So the stakes here are a lot smaller and personal to the characters. Uh, and as I was like thinking about that, I, I thought back to Civil War, which is a uh, like a recent, well, not too recent now, but an example that did this well where with that film, they kind of had it both ways. So you had the big airport scene and that kind of serviced the all these superheroes on screen fighting and the spectacle of that but I, I think the because that was the Russo brothers I did Civil War am I I'm gonna I'm gonna say it was and yeah, maybe be fact checked later but yeah I, I, I'm I'm not totally up on who wrote and directed what with the Marvel movies all the time so I wouldn't be able to answer that question for you right now without looking okay. so yeah <laughs> that's right I think it was the Russo brothers and I think what what yeah. they is, yeah okay um, and what they what they knew is that you can have that, but to make it meaningful, after that scene, they had the personal battle between Captain America, Iron Man, Bucky, and and that. And then those shots were completely different. Like they were a lot closer shots as they were fighting. So with Logan, I, I always appreciate that when they take it away from just the, we have to save the world from total destruction, which can be unrelatable uh, sometimes. And they brought it down to this man who has basically almost given up um, on on life, or certainly making connections with other people, and is sort of has to be brought back to that idea uh, of family through this girl. Like in the context of the world, that doesn't mean a lot. It's just some people uh, having some some issues, but it means so much, and the stakes are uh, stakes work for this film. I think it like there's um, some similarities to like The Last of Us or The Witcher. Um, okay. In terms with The Last of Us, he's very reluctant to 
take early on and that's to like take on the mission yeah that's even with the world like saving and he for him it's personal he doesn't personally want to take this responsibility to save the world Mm. um and then in the witcher it's kind of the same thing he just doesn't want to have that like he's just impartial (laughs) just like i'm not here to determine bad or evil uh, but then ends up uh, being the carer for someone that's going to, I don't know, like, I'm not that far into the story. But uh, <laughs> 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 there's a lot of weight on de- destiny of the world with this child uh, and and reluctant to take on that responsibility until it, they hit that turning point. Uh, where And it's not even a case of they're like, oh, yes, this this uh, this child is is a uh, is going to change the the direction of the world is no this i now feel a connection to this child and they're you know like a child like they're my child <laughs> they feel that yeah like, exactly responsibility towards that child because i think even he was willing to let <laughs> just leave law behind and he would have yeah and then you yeah he would have yeah until he's like yeah forced to uh stick around but then you see how um like her introduction is is just brilliant um and then once you see like what she's capable of then it's there's that curiosity and then when it's like oh this is your daughter then it's like okay somewhere deep down okay we have to take her uh take her with us and figure this all out but yeah her her introduction is so great um actually i want to get to that but i also want to mention just in terms of like the the tone of this film um i also feel was so well set from the beginning because by this point i mean this is like uh Hugh Jackman's like ninth uh performance as Wolverine or something like that and you by that point you we we think we know like what to expect from an X-Men or Wolverine performance but I think uh a point was made to show from the very beginning this is not your what you're expecting in terms of Wolverine so like we see him obviously like he's older we see him he's like asleep probably uh drunk uh in some way and he's having his like uh these issues with like uh i guess some i'm gonna say some kind of gang or some kind of people that are giving him trouble you then see his powers like or his um his claws coming out like a lot slower he's Mm -hmm. he's a lot slower in general but then it gets very violent like almost like what you'd expect to see from a guy who has like adamantium claws coming out you kind of expect to see see that but you don't always see it so when you see him like chopping guys hands off and sticking the claws wherever it's like okay we're in for a different ride here the the rage fuels him and it's like until he gets angry he doesn't fully switch on Mm. it's like he needs the anger as the extra bit of oomph to kind of fuel him into like getting to that stage like whereas he used to be able to just switch it on now he's He's like a wounded animal. He's like a wounded tiger throughout the whole film. Mm. And yeah, sorry, sorry, carry on. (laughs) Yeah, he's like this wounded tiger with this like failing healing factor. And have you noticed how the car itself even looks like a hearse? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. If this is going to be like Logan's last ride, like I'm, I'm almost one hundred percent sure that's on purpose as well. But like, yeah, yeah. And it it's it's a Western at heart, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, did you watch it in black and white? Because the Blu-ray comes with the Logan Noir disc. Oh, is it? No. Yeah. I didn't. I um because yeah. I rewatched it on Amazon Prime, so I don't think I, I got that option. 
Yeah, so I watched it in colour and then I got the Logan Noir disc, so I watched it in black and white as well. And it's exactly the same film, it's just in black and white. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it, it does... I was trying to work out if it added anything extra to it, but I think the film's that good anyway that putting it in black and white doesn't really add any extra layers to it in any way or make it anything other than a little bit more depressing. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's, it's great. And um, yeah, so if you get the chance to watch Logan Noir, check it out in black and white because it's, it's kind of cool to watch it in black and white. And they do like the whole, the, they put the old fo uh, Fox intro on it and everything, like the old, what mm -hmm. you might see on an oh, old, nice. old film kind of thing, which is cool. But that kind of cements it even more in the kind of like the wall of sort of like old Western films that you might have had. I, I love the fact that we, we see an, an older super being because so it's not often that we get to see, you know, like with, without it being passing on the torch, you kind of just see Logan, an old Logan, and I'd love to see more old, you know, uh, super beings in like an, an a state of being old. But even with Xavier, we see, you know, we we see him with dementia, like, and and what that looks like. Yeah, just like seeing the full life of a of a superpowered being. Yeah, and like what happens at the at the end of that? Yeah, and I feel feel like it's pretty cool because when we do see that, uh, it's normally like they're passing on the buck and the, the focus is actually on the, on the, on the new, you know, the new replacement. And I'd love to see more that sort of like focus on this life of, of an, of an aging or, you know, end of life version of, of super beings, because it's kind of cool. And I feel like it, it helps. Like I love having loads of different ages on, like represented as, as characters because they would be like it's pretty cool anyway uh, <laughs> i'm trying to like think of the best way to describe it but yeah, and I just, yeah you are getting a look at different generations yeah and of, and of mutant yeah exactly and like you said about like the the his blades coming out like slowly there's a few bits where he's just a bit of an old man <laughs> it's great and he's still pretty badass but you know and even his demeanor is is a bit of an He's got a bit of an old man demeanor, you know, like he's yeah, oh, yeah. Life and <laughs> he's a grumpy old man. But the thing is, like, you got to remember, like, if he hadn't had the adamantium put on his bones, because that's what's poisoning him at this point. Yeah. Logan's already hundreds of years old. Who knows, like, what he would have been, what he could be if they hadn't messed yeah, around with him. Yeah, if it wasn't for that. Yeah, if mm. they'd have just left him to just be a natural mutant and he still had bone claws, like maybe, you know, his healing factor would still be in good shape. Maybe he'd still be living a life. Maybe maybe he'd, he'd probably get to like a thousand years old. You don't know. Yeah, but then we just want to see about a thousand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thinking, thinking of his age, I feel the other thing that kind of weighs on him is the idea of losing people because mm. um, I think he mentions it to Laura at the end like everyone I cares about or nothing good happens to everything I, uh, everyone I cares about or something like that so like when you've lived that long and you just you just see kind of mm. you get close to people and they die and then that happens over and over again that also has got a way on you and I think they also added you know um when uh what's the name of the family they help and then they stay with them Oh, I've already, I just said it as well. And I've, yeah. Uh, I've 
Um, but you know, they sort of like uh, help that family. Munson family. Yeah, the Munson family, and then they're there, and then they all die. <laughs> Which is <Yeah>. really, sad. <laughs> really it's sort of like I feel like that's added in the film and it really helps to you know when he says that line it really helps to to solidify that because it's I feel like you they create this connection in the middle of the film and it and it's so short that it still has a lot of weight to it especially you know um like protect the farm and and um from the big what's it called <laughs> the other farm the big like, corporate farm that's next door yeah, yeah corporates yeah and you know what is is it will his like you, i have a lawyer uh and, it, and then logan just sort of like backs him up like no this this is a good good person i'm gonna i'm gonna back him up and then yeah uh hours later <laughs> that did not go well yeah. I mean, <laughs> like let's talk about that because i was going to bring that up and that moment in the film like the sort of the midpoint of it that was really brutal and it was brutal because obviously that the family had like nothing to do with any of this and they just get absolutely slaughtered uh, because of Logan and Charles but so as I was putting together the notes for this I read a more critical um kind of take of of that moment and the uh the writer kind of mentioned that so they didn't like that moment because they felt why would Charles and uh, Logan well, it was more Charles because he insisted they stay. Why would they do that, knowing that they were being chased and they would bring this to the family? And I, I guess it is kind of that that balance between what the what the plot needs and what makes sense for the characters. Because I guess I could see it, but then I understood like because it, it was such an important moment because of Logan and his whole "I'm an outcast. Uh, I don't want to get close to people." And Charles continuously showing him to, you know, care about this girl, care about family. And in this family being, you know, this is what I mean. This is what you could have. Uh, mm. Like he mentions in a film, you still have time. Like this is what you can have if you just you know, open yourself up. And even earlier on when he's talking to uh, to, uh, to Callan, um and he was saying like, you know, I know something's up. Why won't you talk to me? Like I can see things are bothering you. He's just like closed up. So that moment with the family is, is showing uh, Logan the way almost. So I understand what happened, but man, that yeah, they they got wiped out. That was, <laughs> that was harsh. And in the way Lo- um, Charles as well gets taken yeah. out was such a that was a hard uh, hit to that, watch. Yeah, because you didn't. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Charles's funeral is even harder to watch. Yeah. Well, is 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 so. I know because so the moment where he he was killed, um, because it was so like, I guess like murky. Because you you kind of we all assume well, I say the idea was to assume that was Logan, but because uh, X twenty four doesn't say anything, there's kind of a moment where you think, oh, hold on, if Logan's maybe Logan's not back yet. So who's this? And then at that point you hadn't been, that was the first introduction to X-24. So again, they, I feel that the character introductions in this uh, film are pretty good because that was his first introduction to kill Charles and then just like take out the family. And then, yeah, that was just a, a tough moment to watch. Mm. You knew they were building him because you saw flashes of his arms in tanks and things. Oh like, yeah, good point. Like yeah. in the video that yeah, Gabriella shot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
it's it's very cool but also like can we really like xavier is not exactly in in ever in a right mind at this point so his judgment is always murky i know know he's always got better intentions but you know is he gonna think for his like brief moments of being like aware and remembering things and then you know he fades in and out of like how where he is and it's like oh, he's not really the best judge to to think no. also the family am i gonna think that we're putting them in trouble no he's just like trying to hold on to like those fragments yeah i mean would he even be able to tell the difference um like even with his powers, mm. maybe maybe he would. Maybe the clone wouldn't have memories, but certainly, like with his powers in a diminished state, maybe he wouldn't be able to tell the difference because maybe he would just feel the same kind of rage that he feels coming off. Like yeah, oh Logan, yeah, yeah. In, Logan yeah. original, yeah. So yeah. you know, he's not he's not exactly you know. <laughs> he's got a cool yeah. original Logan and uh, fireball spicy Logan. Who, uh... <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which flavor like, would you like? If he's like his memories are like murky, he could it even be in a space where he's thinking like of Logan when Logan was younger, younger. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> now so. I've just. I've just given myself the image now of Charles Xavier tasting feelings like Doritos flavors. Yeah, it's just, just like, like licking his fingers. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> uh, and then when Caliban when Caliban can smell mutants, he's smelling Cheetos or something. Like, yeah, maybe I'm hungry. I don't know works. why I'm doing this. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to say <laughs> just making just making everyone hungry right now. Yeah. Uh, but um, actually, who we haven't spoken about uh, is is Laura, um, and just I guess Daphne Keane's performance, but then also the the role of the character in the story. Uh, what do you think of the performance? First of all, well, she's awesome. She's like I, a- yeah, yeah, I completely agree. The performance is just like just the expressor expressions, how like she portrayed emotions with like full body, like that, just everything attitude like body language voice everything <laughs> i love how feral she is yeah like, <laughs> she goes all in on that yeah she's like completely feral and she doesn't talk for half the film yeah but she conveys all that all that feralness in just her emotions and again going back to introductions or it's not her so much her introduction but her her introduction as a mutant let's say yeah um when um yeah when those uh was it reavers the reavers turn are, up and she takes the head off on yeah. yeah but she's but before that she's just eating cereal yeah and you're, you're kind of almost like we know because we've seen uh um we've seen a promo up to that point so we know kind of have an idea what's up yeah. but just the way it plays out like she's just a kid she's just eating cereal and as people close in and there's a whole tension around it because first of all you've got all these soldiers to get this one girl so okay that kind of doesn't quite add up yeah and as and if then secondly they send the biggest guy i think they make a point of <laughs> of sending the biggest guy after her and they're just like cl- slowly closing in on her and she's aware but she never stops eating that cereal i don't know if it's like good cereal or uh whatever but yeah she just continues eating her cereal then just cut to when she's walking out and here's that big guy's head and then it just all kicks off. It's just amazing introduction. I think yeah. 
there's a point where she just gives penis. And I want that cereal, whatever she's eating, because that was good. <laughs> yeah, there's like one point where she gives Pierce like a death stare. <laughs> yeah. Like eye contact, looking like, you know, like head down, eyes, eyes towards him. And he's like trying to be like that sweet talking, you know, like as if he's talking to to like a, a younger niece or something. And come on now it's just like staring <laughs> at him <laughs> absolutely staring at him and i'm like yeah i've had that that stare from a child but not one that's gonna like in, in, decapitate yeah, end your life, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it just excellent oh. that just cap, like captured all of it and then yeah yeah chaos descends <laughs> Um, interesting thing about um, X-23 as well is she's in rather like um, the fact that Harley Quinn was born in the Batman animated series. Um, X-23, the character, was born in the X-Men Evolution animated television series. So that was her first appearance. Oh. Yeah. So she was, she was created for the X-Men Evolution animated show and then she appeared in the comics after that. So yeah. Oh, what's the what what date or roughly what um, date was that like time wise? So according to this, um what I've uh comics debut was in two thousand and four. So it doesn't there's no I can't get a date for um X Men Evolution episode, but it was season three, episode ten. So whenever okay. that aired, but that was before two thousand and four. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm pretty sure that was before the comic because it said she first appeared in, in the X-Men series before she appeared in in the comics. Yeah. That's so, pretty yeah. cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and also just like thinking about her so like the performance um by uh, Daphne Keane was was great. It's it's always a little weird to see like such talent displayed from mm. such young <laughs> young actors. Yeah. Um and in, yeah, it's like, why are you so talented and so young? Mm. Anyway, that's a whole also personal the, thing um, of my butt. The stunt double as well. Uh, also quite young. A uh, little bit older, I think, at the time. Mm. Uh, well, obviously still a little bit older than her, but... She would have stopped aging. <laughs> I found, found a cure to aging. Oh, um, I, found, I found the air date, by the way, for... Um, X-23, which was the episode that X-23 first turned up in for X-Men Evolution. Okay. It was August 9th, 2003. Mm. Oh, so, yeah, pretty close to each So, like, okay. a, year, a year before, yeah. Yeah. Half, six nice. months before, in fact, because it was February uh, when she was in the comic, in February 04, I think. So, oh, cool. Yeah. I saw, yeah, I didn't expect it to be so recent, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, no, she's, so. she's a very recent, she's a fairly recent addition to the X-Men Mythos. That's cool. Quite a welcome one because yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah she's she's like eighty percent uh, of that film. Yeah, she she really is, and I I think for her her role in the film also in terms of like sort of this is going into like some of the themes of the story, but there's this whole redemption arc with Logan. Yeah, and it's it's fueled very much by Laura yeah. uh, and her introduction to his life uh, forced. As it uh, as it may be, but she then has that influence uh, yeah. on him that causes him to kind of re reevaluate his yeah his the way he he is 
get in the world and, and in the end he kind of comes through so he's like mm-hmm. this this wounded tiger lumbering about and then she's almost like a tiger cub kind of protecting him yeah and keeping him alive like taking him to the hospital and driving him and things mm. um and she's kind of like his reason to go on in the end like yeah that's, Pretty much. that's his reason to stay alive because he loses everything else like xavier's dead um the idea of the sun seeker boat <laughs> out the window <laughs> he just wanted a boat man he just wanted to just <laughs> live on the sea <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That was the plan, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, to get the Sunseeker. And he's just like, um, the things I didn't notice before, like uh, when he's driving back across the border after bumping into Donald Pierce and he's on the phone like, I need the boat now. <laughs> like, because he knows he's in trouble. <laughs> like, just little things like that. that. <laughs> like, And what you were saying about redemption arcs and whatever, and they play on that with the music like the music they use in it. So like the Johnny Cash song, the man comes around. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of like a, it's it's about like when the time comes, your deeds are going to be counted kind of thing. And that it kind of has that whole kind of like idea about it that, you know, whether Logan is or isn't a good man and also never meet your heroes, which is some advice I'd love to have given X 23. (laughs) Yeah, actually that's a good point. She does. (laughs) When he's go through that. When he's going through the comics and he's like, This is ice cream for bedwetters and things like that. Because like, <laughs> oh. she's just all she knows about is it's like the Wolverine in the comics. So like yeah. Comics, yeah. all of that she image she had of Wolverine has just been shattered. Mm. It's like Completely. No blue in, in no yellow spandex in sight. No, there's no yeah. not even a hint of that yeah. in this film. I was thinking about your uh what you mentioned about the the Johnny Cash song and the kind of uh almost like foreshadowing i guess but yeah. the idea of like redemption and stuff because they had like when they got to the, that hotel um and i remember seeing something about this at the time of watching it but they were playing the film uh shane which itself is a western and then there was a line in that um sort of about a was like a man has to be what he is there's no break in the mold which i thought was quite interesting i was trying to think about like what that yeah means for logan specifically because is is that like him because even though he rejected the idea of, of hero or being a hero he actually in a way became not became but reverted to that like because that's who he is that's why i took from it well if you think about logan's past as a soldier um we think about Many, all the many, many, many stories we've had over the years of Logan throughout the years where he's fought in wars, he's, you know, he's fought to, he's assassinated, he's been an assassin, he's been a weapon, he's, he's like at the end of the day, like he, he is what he is and he's, he's something that is made to kill, born to kill kind of thing. Like that's, that's his, seems to be his only purpose is to inflict pain and to, cause damage and he has to be what he has to be and if he has to um how did i how can i put this so he has to take all of the violence he has to shoulder all of the violence and all of the anger so that others don't have to that's what he is he has to do the ugly things and he has to be the ugly thing so that nobody else has to to shield other people from that ugly thing Mm. and you find him trying to do that in the x-men films as well like trying to be like 
I'll do this. I'll deal with this. I will go and I will do what needs to be done so that you don't have to, so that you don't have to sully yourself with it so that you don't have to kill anyone, which is, which is the, the whole Shane quote. There's no going back from the killing. Mm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, it fits into this whole Logan being a hero built for the old West thing, which is like, um, I guess why this film has such a Western framing about it. I do. Yeah. I like how they've done that. And I mean, yeah, it's, I guess it's sort of in a way telegraphed. If you know, if I haven't watched Shane, but I guess if you have and you're watching this, then you kind of get that. But, uh, well, I, I imagine, I imagine there is a cross section of people who have, yeah, who had watched Shane and were watching Lo- <laughs> Logan. But, I need to um, watch Shane, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> me too. Um, so yeah, just interesting how it was, it was just that awareness of it and how they worked it into uh into the film and yeah i do like the because i i can't remember when we talked about this so I, I think there was some point where uh me and tazius talked about comic films and what they need what they could think about doing in the future and i always feel that to like continue keeping people's interest in comic book movies they they're gonna have to do this kind of become genre movies and not just comic book movies otherwise mm, yeah it will, it will get boring exactly so like this is this is like a western and it, and you yeah. can just take it as that yeah comic comic book movies have become a genre of their own now mm. and yeah. yeah i think i think you're right i think that kind of feeds back into the fact that like the modern superhero stories um from kind of the 60s onwards when comics came back when superhero stories came back around again um and started getting published again particularly the Marvel heroes went for a more human edge with the heroes, like things like Spider-Man and et cetera, the Hulk and whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like relatable. Would, yeah. They'd be less straight up superhero f- stories and they'd, they'd be more genre pieces for sci-fi or monster movies, uh, mon- straight up superhero stories, sorry, monster comics or sci-fi comics or things like that. And they'd have like this kind of edge where they would like, it would be a superhero, but it would be a superhero framed in a way that makes it more compelling than just being man turns up with powers and beats bad guy. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is, is kind of what this does. Um, Mm. and it keeps, it keeps it fresh. Like you said, it kind of takes the superhero genre and kind of keeps it fresh, which is nice, uh, (laughs) which we need more of, like you said, Definitely. I want to talk about those fake comics anyway, because they're so cool. Oh yeah. 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 Let's yeah. Tell us about those. So what they did was they got, they got a couple of people to make some fake comics for the film. So these comics that Logan has, this this pile of vintage X-Men comics, they're, they're fake. Um, they were created purely for the film and they were created by um, Joe Quesada and artist Dan P- uh, Panosian. Um, and they were created in the style of the vintage Uncanny X-Men books, which I really dug. Um, I remember watching the film and... It fooled me because I thought they were real because I went looking and was like, which issues turn up in this <laughs> film? I want to see. I want to read these. I need to know what these are, but no, they're fake. Um, they're really cool. Um, like it, it, you can, there's a closer look at them actually in an article I found, um, which I can link you guys to. Yeah, please do. You get a closer look at the pages that were created in the covers. So they created 10 fake covers and then they did four pages that were kind of like fully fleshed out with um with text and colors and everything you can read because they've got them they've got the images in this article so you can check that out 
Uh, it's an article on the, it's a Verge article that I found. Um, okay. Kind of like a closer we'll look at put this it in stuff. the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's pretty sweet. And I, I love looking at these because they're just so spot on for what they're trying to emulate and they get the style spot on and, you know, yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I didn't even know about that. So I was, I also had assumed that they were like actual comics that they had yeah. taken. So yeah, yeah I, I love like going to that length of creating specific comics just for this story. It's such detail, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, and, and they had to be created because they, they are, key to the progression of the story aren't they because the the whole idea is that they got the coordinates for eden from the comic yeah and it was in the end eden was that tree house that was set up by the kids so yeah so they got the idea for eden from the comic because it's an x-men story because in 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 universe these stories are supposedly things that actually happened mm. um but then what wolverine's saying is it happened but it didn't happen like this kind of thing yeah and Eden is, they, they make Eden real by going there and setting up this treehouse. Like, it kind of has this kind of like snake eating its own tail thing going on, where <laughs> the idea is in the comic and it feeds the reality. And then, the, and then Wolverine thinks, it, it, Wolverine's like, no, this is not real. All of this is just rubbish. You know, this is just ice cream yeah, for bedwetters. But they've made it real. But then they've made <laughs> Eden real, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, 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 if you think about the structure of the treehouse as well, and then you look at the page where it says Eden or the end, uh, where you've got Rogue sort of like almost falling off the cliff and Wolverine catching her. Hmm. You think about so the structure like of the treehouse and you look at this, uh, this kind of like pod-like structure that they've got on the, um, on the cliff here, which is supposedly Eden. Very similar. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. That's so cool. Okay. Um, all right, so any... Uh, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought immediately. Uh, <laughs> um, any last thoughts on? Yeah, no, I'm just like, uh, that, that's actually what it was. I was just like looking at these comic images. Um, any last thoughts on Logan or any like highlight moments from from the film? Only uh, I really enjoyed Xavier's um, Xavier's funeral. Was like a, a like that was like. It's, I, I wouldn't call it a high moment because it's a sad moment, no. but it's probably yeah. one of the best moments in the film in that like Wolverine's just so angry and he's got so, he's not even got, he can't even, can't even give the man the respect he deserves in a proper burial on the water like he mm. wanted. So he found the closest thing he could, which was a lake. And he's just so angry and so, so defeated and so upset. You've got this, this like ex- 23 kind of like grabs his hand and he just kind of like yeah, he rejects it yeah and uh the last thing i want to see is and i heard as it were the noise of thunder one of the four beasts saying come and see and i saw and behold a white horse which is the opening to the man comes around which is a great song <laughs> <laughs> cool. because i love the way that kicks uh. in at the end like ah. Oh. That new, I got a new appreciation for Johnny Cash from this film. <laughs> <laughs> I was not much of a Johnny Cash fan before that, but this yeah, film. Yeah, this. Yeah, and then The Undertaker using a Johnny Cash song for a while as his entrance theme. Yeah. Maybe just for one WrestleMania. I don't know too much, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, How about you, Tazzy? The film is just so epic. It's hard to pick 
a moment. So this isn't a favorite moment. This is just a moment in the film. <laughs> yes, I was. I, I like, I try, I'm moment. trying to avoid using the word "moment" favorite because I know that always uh, <laughs> causes an issue. A moment that exists in the film, yeah. but it's um, when they're in the hotel and Xavier has his seizure perfectly timed <laughs> for them to uh, escape, uh, kill and escape. <laughs> um, and like I always sit there and think, huh? Did like was that actually a seizure? Like I always feel like he'd done it on purpose. Oh, really? Okay. Like I don't know. <laughs> like, a little bit of me is like he kind of like had a little bit, you know, because he's at that point he's um, not very aware, is he? And no. feel like, like yeah, yeah. You know that like subconscious like I need to do something, and that yeah. maybe like inside his head he's kind of having a bit of a oh I see out of self experience. And he's don't just like, of, <laughs> don't they sort of have a conversation about it afterwards? And he's like, "Well, I had to do something." Yeah, I think there is. Yeah, and it. Yeah. Hmm. But I'm just like, it's a point where it's like, uh, just that kind of cheeky, cheeky old man things to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <When you're> not, <laughs> like not much at, at the point where you can't do much, but you just got to try and figure out something. Um, something, yeah, yeah. Isn't that where, was, is it after that where they're like, oh, you've not been taking your meds, so how long has it been since you took your pills? Yeah, I think that, that was just after. Because when, when they were going, and because that's just before they mm. met the family. Mm. And then he uses his powers then to calm the horses, which is a cool moment as well. Yeah, oh yeah, that's so sweet. Yeah, I did like that. I, I Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, but there's just so many moments, like just every moment with Laura. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that whole <laughs> whole thing i did like the moments of like laura as being just the the child like when they went to the store and she was just like taking stuff and she didn't understand you have to pay but then even before that when she was on the uh, on the mechanical horse and she was getting angry when it stopped <laughs> and she yeah. just didn't understand yeah. it's like no I'll just like I'll just put some money in it and then you can one more ride kind of thing the best, so, the best thing I about like that moment moments. in the garage where they're just taking things is the fact that Logan then walks in and sets an example by just nicking the phone charger yeah, true. <laughs> yeah I did notice that like he didn't <laughs> and a cigar. he didn't pay for that <laughs> and then um, oh. so other great moments Donald Pierce getting taken out by all the kids yeah yeah um and uh logan's final um sort of like berserker run in the woods where you just hear the ah the scream yeah and he just comes charging through the woods (laughs) (laughs) that was so great yeah that was so great (laughs) one more notable moment before we literally say the whole film (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> well, I have one more. You can have your your own one more. Um, <laughs> when Logan dies, it's just so moving. Yeah, I think that's when when uh, Laura actually uh, calls him her dad. I believe. Yes. Yeah. And it, I like just to remember, like first time watching it, just the flood of emotions. Even watching, like even if you just see a clip of it, it. it it back <laughs> um and it's just been so such a moving moment and it was a whole journey to get there yeah. as well to that moment just yeah added to it and and just like excellent performances as well they're like you just just captured captured it mm. it's perfect yeah 
Okay. I'll, I don't think I'll add too much because otherwise, yeah, we will say we're just basically giving a script of the film now. But <laughs> um, uh, but I'll just reiterate the uh, Laura eating cereal as she's uh, approached by uh, the Reavers. I, just, I, I love that. But the one thing I will add to that is um, just, I guess, a kind of sadness that Fox is no more because I feel this is a story that Marvel, at least in its current um, iteration Marvel Studios would not have made. Disney would never tell this story. <laughs> D- yeah, <laughs> and that's a shame because it's it's one of the yeah one of I like I said I think it was one of the best comic book movies. But and it doesn't even need to be one of the best. It's just the fact that this can be made, and mm. if you you know can find different ways to tell these stories, you'll come up with this. Not every film will be as good as Logan, but it's a possibility where I feel the possibility is much lower yeah. now that Disney mm. kind of own more. I know. So. It would have been nice to see a sequel uh, with the actress that plays Laura. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would yeah. be cool. The name. But, um, so, but yeah. Daphne Keene. It's, it's Daphne Keene, yeah. It's sad because it's like... But Disney, oh, they're not going to make it. <laughs> Disney like would never great. make... Disney would never make a superhero film with this little optimism. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it didn't even feel that dark. Like, I'm someone that really can't deal with darkness. Like, it really affects me. But this has so much... It's trickled... Like, um, Laura's such an element of hope that it balances out the kind of grittiness of it. I wouldn't say it's dark. I'd just say it's gritty. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't call it dark at all. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. You can let us know what you think uh, of of the film and everyone's performance in it. Maybe some of your highlighted moments, and yeah, just generally give us feedback and send your questions on this uh, story discussion. So we're now going to go into our storytelling tip for the episode, and we've discussed it uh earlier we talked about redemption so i felt this was a good time to talk about uh creating redemption arcs in your story uh it's just so happens it kind of coincided with me watching a video on redemption arcs uh from hello future me which i will link to in the show notes but i thought this is an interesting take because so logan being uh somewhat of a redemption story but the interesting thing here is that sometimes you might think of redemption stories as something that happens to the villain uh, in your story, but that's not the case here with Logan sort of being the protagonist, but still going uh, on his own redemption journey. So thinking about redemption uh, arcs as being about mistakes and regrets and growing, like your character growing over the course of the story. So we see Logan has certainly made mistakes in his life and is in a bad place when the film starts. So he's isolated, he refuses to open up and he kind of rejects multiple times, he rejects the responsibility of caring uh, for Laura. And he's also in a sort of in a self-destructive uh, place. So there's different ways to kind of um, play your redemption arcs. And the one that's used here is this this arc when someone enters the character's life and becomes a positive influence. And this is the role that Laura plays, giving some hope, uh, like as he mentioned earlier, to the sort of more bleak outlook of Logan. So other redemption arcs uh, could be like the character confronting the reality of their actions, like we saw in the first Iron Man film 
film where Tony Stark is confronted with the consequences of him selling weapons to uh, anyone who would buy them. Or another option is the character going through a radical shift in their circumstances, like Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones, where he goes from sort of the, the prince on top of his game to a one-armed uh, peasant, let's say, or prisoner at least, uh, and yeah, just forces him to go uh, through that character uh, redemption journey. So the purpose of the redemption arc is to remind us that we can come back from bad or destructive behavior uh, understand our mistakes and redeem ourselves and the important thing to remember is that it takes time so it's not about a quick or instant fix from bad to good it's something that has to be earned and one of the best redemption arcs is Zuko in Avatar The Last Airbender uh, and even here you see Logan continues to make mistakes uh, or act in sort of negative ways across the film uh, with him being the reluctant hero. So you see him treats people who are close to him uh, pretty badly. He rejects the call to action when he is asked to uh, take Laura uh, to Eden. He dismisses the existence of Eden um, and then with him have keeping that adamantium um, bullet um, as a sort of a way to kill himself uh, in a sense because he just doesn't want to live at that point so those are all kind of things to think about and a few specific tips for writing redemption arcs in your story so number one is to remember that redemption is not just for villains so your protagonists can also go on their own redemption journey number two is just to decide on the type of arc your character will go on. So whether they're uh, confronted with reality of their actions, they suffer a, a shift in circumstances, or they're introduced to a positive character that takes them uh, on that journey. And number three is take your time. So it's really important that the character does still continue to make those mistakes on the way to redemption so that redemption is earned. And number four, the final point, is to remember that redemption doesn't necessarily mean death. So the redeemed character should go through self-reflection and understanding of the harm they've caused or the impact of their destructive behavior. And although Logan does die in this film, before he does, he does go through that sort of understanding and change. And that even leads him to make the decision to help uh, save the kids from the Reavers. So it's not just about, uh, I think like Darth Vader is an example of like character who's redeemed at the very moment they then die and they don't necessarily go through those stages. But yeah, just remember that you want to have that moment of self-reflection and understanding. Uh, so those are a few tips for writing redemption arcs. If you are doing so in your story and like to send us examples, or talk about how you've used redemption arcs in your story, please feel free to. Our email address is feedback at mayamada.com. So let's now find out about what our guest has been up to. Yeah, so Greg, why don't you tell us a bit um, about any projects you've got going on um, and any future episodes of your podcast as well? Yeah, so I run this podcast called Ace Comicals, where we talk about comics. Uh, we review comics. We talk an awful lot about comics. Um, similar to the stuff I've been saying here tonight, actually, when I've been talking about comic books. Like, if I get off on a little bit of a rant. But, yeah, 
uh, <laughs> this is this is what I do. Um, I'm comics is my biggest hobby so i turned it into a podcast with a couple of my friends and uh, we talk about comics uh, you can find us at www.acecomicals.com uh, we released an episode last week uh, where we review a few books like well i talk a bit more extensively about the immortal hulk which i've mentioned on this episode um, and uh, we review a few other books as well and uh, also if you want to check out um, because we mentioned at the top of this episode, actually, that I'm just doing now, this uh, episode of the Mayor Mardercast, that we um, we did a, a discussion about the Dark Knight movie. Um, well, like the other side of the coin, as it were, to that is the discussion that we did um, uh, with Ace Comicals, which was about the long Halloween, which was uh, where I invited... Tazzy and Nigel over to Ace Comicals to talk about comics and I got them to read The Long Halloween which was fun yeah that's episode number 88 of our podcast so you can check that out awesome uh, we did enjoy being on that podcast as well it was great <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we move on to um, some questions from our listeners uh, just want to get your quick thoughts on the new Batman trailer and the post art by Jim Lee okay so First of all, Jim Lee's poster art is fantastic. I love the way the new Batsuit looks in the red. That's given me FOMO for a graphic novel that will never exist. Because I'm looking at it and I'm like... <laughs> yeah. It looks like, it looks I got like a, a comic book cover well. and I want it. It really said, does. Yeah, and I think that's the whole point and I like it. it. And it's going for this whole kind of like self-contained Batman story thing, which I like, which is one of the things that... You, you know, like these, these kind of like self-contained um, Batman stories that are probably going to be like 12 issues long and will be collected into one handy dandy graphic novel that you can stick on your shelf, like uh, The Dark Knight Returns, etc. Mm. That kind of stuff. Or The Long Halloween. Um, and it's going for that kind of angle, that kind of like uh, self-contained Batman story that is, it looks really cool. Um, the trailer is really something like i'm i'm impressed um i think uh i think we've hit peak darkness for a batman film i don't think there's there's any way we can get any darker um we've got batman looking like a member of my chemical romance we've got <laughs> the riddler as like a full-blown serial killer um but like a serial killer in a like um if you ever seen the movie seven yes yeah, like that kind of way, you know? Um, Ooh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, because it's that kind of, it's he's leaving clues and things. like, And it's it's that kind of like cryptic serial killer vibe, like real kind of like detective story realness about it. And um, I like, you know, I just, I just like the whole feel of it, like the whole feel of that trailer, like the way everything looks, the way they've nailed down... What I've seen in the trailer, anyway, the way they've nailed down the Batsuit. The only, my one complaint is probably the Batmobile. I'm, I'm not too on board with the Batmobile because it looks more like something that would be at home in Too Fast, Too Furious or something like, like Fast and the Furious <laughs> rather than a Batman film. It, I'm, I'm a man of the 1989 Batmobile. I like the whole like big long front Batmobile with the curved edges and the bat wings at the back and everything. And So that's my Batmobile. I'm a man of the... Uh, the more kind of outlandish looking Batmobiles. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm not a fan. I wasn't too much of a fan of the Tumblr actually, uh, in the dollar. I mean, the Tumblr is awesome, but it's not, it's not 
the greatest Batmobile. And this this kind of has, it's got more Batmobile about it than the Tumblr did because the Tumblr is basically a tank. But it also, I guess you could say the Tumblr references the thing in The Dark Knight Returns where he drives the tank. But it's also <laughs> um, like, I don't know, it just looks too much like a real car. I get that, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. But I think like, that's the whole like point, the isn't it? Batmobile, so, it's a yeah. car Batman has. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the whole point, though, isn't it? That they're trying to ground it a bit more with this. Mm. So it's going to look like that. And I quite, I quite like that. I guess the, the the whole aesthetic of it and the trailer. It's like, what, what can we? What, what's the most depressing song we can use that isn't um, the Johnny Cash version of her? I know. <laughs> let's get something in the way, my Nirvana. It's like, <laughs> it's great though. I like that song. So yeah, and I think I, I'm excited about that. But I'm actually more excited about the the two other things that came out of the fandom thing over the weekend, which is um, the Batman um gotham knights trailer for the yes. movie and uh, the movie the uh the right. game yeah and um the uh i got very excited about gotham knights and i'm more excited about gotham knights than i am about the suicide squad game but there's the suicide squad game as well yeah, yeah. i'm i'm uh i think i'm equally excited just excited for different reasons i think the, um, the thing that gets me the most excited about the gotham knights is the um the reveal at the end of the trailer for the court of owls Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was literally just the game sitting there like, so good. <laughs> Tom's like trying to <laughs> be like, oh, they they were like, uh, I can't even remember what he said. I was like, the court, they're just the court of owls. Oh, I was like, it's okay, don't worry. <laughs> and I was like, there's, there's so there's so much there, like the, oh, the court like, of owls and and the the talons. It shows you all the talons as well. It's like got all the coffins. Yeah, uh, with all the dead, all the all the talons, which are the assassins of the Court of Owls. Yeah, um, all kind of like they're they're like they're dead and they reanimate them when they need them, basically. But they're all yeah. kind of like lined up, ready, and, and I'm excited about this because I feel it's going to reference the um, the Robin War story, mm. um, which is kind of cool. Which is kind of like all of Batman's proteges versus the Court of Owls. It's the easiest yeah. way to put it. So okay, yeah. I yeah I like I like the um, that they've. It seems like there's going to be a big weight to the court of vows in, mm. in this. Well, um, I I think that the, the whole thing is going to be that Batman's not actually dead and he's in a maze below Gotham, <laughs> kind of like under <laughs> under the, uh, the 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 claws, as it were, of the court of vows, and yeah. uh, they're going to try and turn him into a talon. Mm. I think, cool. but yeah. Um. So we're going to move on to some questions i think we just have one today um so yeah this is the bit where we get some listener feedback or questions from our email or social media and we have a question from kawaii prince on instagram how do you feel seeing a beloved character like wolverine suffering from old age and his healing abilities gradually failing who would like to go first um well i I, I guess we kind of touched on it earlier, but I, I like it because it kind of gives that other side to the idea of a of a hero. And yeah, just seeing like they're also human and that means they don't necessarily live forever. And here's that end of life. Well, I guess Wolverine's not necessarily end of life, although he does die. But yeah, here's <laughs> like the sort of the downside to like having 
uh, adamantium in your body like here's what can happen here's here's the downside to living long enough to see the people around you uh, die and what that does to you mentally and I, I kind of like them exploring that side of it just it yeah just it flips on its head of what you expect from a uh, superhero film mm. he's fallible i and and we like that he's fallible we don't if you i mean like we like superman but mm-hmm. we 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 also like heroes that are fallible and that's what marvel's success was built on basically wasn't it it's like heroes that have a human side heroes that are fallible heroes that have weaknesses yeah and because that element that you can relate to in some way yeah and and wolverine is fallible like you know yes he's got this healing factor yes he's you know at the end of the day the adamantium is what's poisoning him. i think that's a genius uh a genius story straight there that it's the (laughs) it's his it's his own the thing that makes him indestructible is the thing that's going to ultimately kill him Mm. Because it without the adamantium, he's um, he's still a pretty powerful mutant, but he's not as uh, he's not as tough. Mm. So the ad- the adamantium in his bones makes him harder to kill because yeah. it protects his brain. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I've spoken pretty much on this uh, question earlier, so I won't I won't uh, add too much to it, but just. Uh, I guess just agreeing with you on the the fact that the the adamantium is what's killing. Kind of, they could have quite easily just killed Wolverine off in some way. Uh, just you know, had a stronger, more powerful enemy that kills him off. But instead, yeah. they had something that acts as old age uh, and triggers old age in someone that wouldn't necessarily, like yeah. you said. He get wouldn't old. age conventionally. He'd get old, but he wouldn't get old like we would. Yeah, and it, yeah. and you know, you add that element in, then you make it more human, and and yeah, um, and it's a very clever way of doing that. And then he still gets killed, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if he hadn't, <laughs> if he hadn't, he would have deteriorated. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that's a nice touch. It's a nice touch. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, so. If you do have any que- uh, any questions you want to send send in or any feedback on this episode, you can do so at feedback at myamada.com or on our social media at myamada on Twitter, at myamadatees on Instagram or at Tazzy on both. And that's our show for today. You just want to yeah thank Greg for uh, joining us. And also, because I, I always like having uh, uh, Greg on because he has such an extensive knowledge of comics so uh they're just like moments where i just like sit back and listen and then i learn something so i always appreciate that yeah no problem i'm i'm always happy to come on and talk talk about comics because it's kind of what i live for so (laughs) it's my thing isn't it so yeah i'm always happy to get a chance to talk about comics so thank you for having me cool um yeah we hope you've enjoyed this episode of story x story uh if you did then make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes and to give our podcast a quick rating or review uh on something like apple Podcasts, uh, which helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions you can also check out our own stories uh, on our website um plus we've also got a kickstarter that is coming at some point the end of the month is the target uh, for a new story called serious through the fog 
and you can also join us if you are um, interested in video games. We have a Gamepad Discord community that you can join right now and also have our next Gamepad online event on Saturday the 26th of September and you can check that out at gamepad.events. Other than that, just stay tuned for more podcast episodes including creator interviews, video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture. And you can also uh, always shout us out directly. Um, our email address is feedback at myamada.com and our website with links to subscribe is myamada.com forward slash story x story. Until next time, stay tuned and continue to stay safe. Mm-hmm.